Hey everyone, Tessa Stuckey here with For the Sake of Our Youth. I just want to take a quick second to thank you for listening and joining me on this journey. This is a really scary world that we live in and being a parent is without a doubt the hardest job in the world. I am a mom of four, I'm a therapist, and now I'm an author. I'm so excited to announce that my book, For the Sake of Our Youth, was recently published in April. You can find it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. As a therapist, I get this amazing advantage to hear what's going on in today's world for our youth, and I just can't be quiet about it, to understand what's going on in today's culture and how it's affecting our kids' emotions. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not looking good. I have always said that I could talk about this forever, so much so that I could write a book about it. So I wrote the book about it, but I'm not done talking. So here we go. Ooh, also, sorry. If you're liking what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe so that you get updated whenever there's a new episode that comes out. Maybe even leave a review. That would help other parents find this podcast easier. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at the mom therapist. For more information, go to www.tessastuckey.com. Today we have a special episode because we have a guest. Today we have Melanie Hempy with Screen Strong. It's a wonderful organization all about promoting safe screen use and how to raise your kids in today's culture without the screen. Hi, Melanie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so, so excited to have you. So, I just want to kind of get a rundown of what led you to get on this journey and what how this whole thing started for you. Yeah, what a great question because you know I didn't um, I didn't really ask for this journey, <laughs> and so I am a nurse. I went to Emory University, moved to North Carolina, had four children. And um, never really learned anything in nursing school about video game addiction or um, what could happen to kids when they got too much screen time. And, and so what happened with my oldest son, his name is Adam. He was our first, of course. And um, he actually became very um, enthralled with gaming during his middle school and high school years. And we just didn't know, like many parents, um, we didn't know much about it. This was, he graduated in 2010, so this is a while ago. Um, and, and I just thought he was getting smarter. Um, he had straight A's, so I was sort of confused, thinking that the gaming was, you know, probably okay, like it wasn't hurting him. And, um, but in ninth grade, when he got a laptop for school, that kind of marked the beginning of a big problem. I was the game cop mom, as I think many of your families understand that job. It was a job that I did not want to have. (laughs) Um, and I would have to control the, um, you know, his game time on the kitchen timer. But when he got a laptop for school, I lost all of my leadership in that department. And he, you know, he would say he was doing his homework. Well, no, he wasn't. He might have done his homework for 10 minutes, but then he was gaming the rest of the night. So um, by the time he went to college, we were so happy that he was going to college because I just thought he was going to start his life. He was going to outgrow this ridiculous habit that was causing so much conflict in our home and it was causing 
him to drop out of all his other hobbies and he quit playing all his sports. Um, he was really kind of like a recluse in a way. I mean, he was in the basement, you know, this isn't normal, right. For a teenage boy to just stay in a dark basement, (laughs) you know, playing, um, video games. But all my friends were like saying things like, well, at least you know where he is and he's not getting in trouble. (laughs) And, um, you know, Tessa, little did I know that he was in a lot of trouble. Um, just his habit had gotten out of control. So by the time he went to college, he ended up dropping out that first year because he he actually continued to game while he was in college. And, and it got, you know, um, really bad because he didn't have the kitchen timer and he didn't have me and, and I wasn't making him go to class. Right. <laughs> so that's how the story begins. I picked him up from... Um, college and on the way home he told me that world of warcraft did something to him and i really thought he was on drugs but he swore to me he went on drugs he had just um really had been playing like a solid week where he had not even left his room he didn't even really eat he was very emaciated looking it was very devastating for us and i just couldn't believe that you could be addicted to a video game like i i just couldn't understand so when I got home, I did a lot of research. I started calling a lot of physicians and contacts and people I had known in the medical community and um, traveled. I met all these different neuroscientists. I did, like I said, a lot of research, and I was just shocked and amazed to find out what was happening to his brain. It was an addiction. It's a dopamine addiction. It's a process addiction, just like gambling or porn or sex addiction, all those things. And um, so I did what every good mom does who has a um a, a teenage boy who is failing to launch on their sofa and I called the military and um so we had a recruiter come to the house and this was a few months after you know he had um been home and they came to the house and I stepped outside I said sir my son loves to play call of duty I really need you to recruit him into the army <laughs> And so he did. Wow. Okay. And he came into the kitchen table, sat down with Adam, and Adam was excited, and he signed the contract, and off he went. Um, Oh, I'm glad he was excited. Yeah, he was, because he, the guy said, hey, you're going to get to shoot real guns, and Adam was all about shooting guns, and quite frankly, he was very good at shooting guns, because video games actually train um, those skills. They use video games in the army to train soldiers. In fact, the first shooting games were designed by our military in order to train and desensitize soldiers and didn't know all that. So, um, Adam left and he had a wonderful detox experience where he had, um, many weeks of no gaming and it was free and it was called basic training. (laughs) And so looking back on that experience and what happened with him and just from my nursing background and what I know now about all the medical issues around gaming addiction, that was the best thing that could have happened to him. Um, you know, 14 weeks of a detox. And so he stayed in the military for five years. He went to Iraq. We're very proud of him. He came back. He did finish his college experience and, um, Tessa, just two weeks ago, he started law school. So we are, Oh, good for him. Yes. We're very proud of him. And 
Um, he speaks for our organization now, and he is a wonderful speaker because he lived this. And I love when he speaks to, to families, and they love talking to him because he he just gives such incredible insight. And so we we started this whole organization around his story. And um, the first presentation I did was after you know he had already launched into the army, and the counselor at our school said, "Why don't we have a meeting for other parents who might be struggling with this?" And yeah. at the time, we didn't know that much about it, but um, we I knew enough to help other families, and I put a flyer up in the mm -hmm. hall and we thought we might have a handful and I was thinking if we had five or six families that would be awesome and um we had 125 people come. oh my gosh really yeah. to oh the first wow. meeting I was like oh my gosh we're not the only family struggling with this and so we launched a website um, we incorporated a nonprofit as Families Managing Media. That was our that's our corporate name, Families Managing Media. So a lot of people have heard of that. And um, but Screen Strong is our initiative, and so that's what we go by. And so we started this group, and the um, ScreenStrong.com um, is the um, is our website. And then we have a Facebook group, and we have a Screen Strong Families Facebook you know group that you can join. A private group, right? That you can join and yeah. get support from others like if you're on the journey to take screens out of your family that's a great place like for resources and to get the encouragement and support it's yes because there's so many people that are just like me back then just kind of hanging on they don't know what is happening to their kids they feel like they've lost them you know there's there's a, a number of warning signs I'll just go over them super quick if there's people out there wondering and so the the warning signs um are the, these following things. So it's kind of like, um, if it's the only thing that puts your, your son in a good mood now and, and boy and girls play too, let me be clear, but let's face it. It's usually, we have more trouble with boys on video games and girls on social media, but, um, if they're unhappy when they're forced to unplug, like if they have a meltdown, if you have a hard time calling them for dinner, <laughs> um, if screen use is increasing over time, like they were playing some, but now they're playing more because of the pandemic and all these reasons why they're home, then that's a warning sign. If it's the only reward that motivates your child, like if nothing motivates them but screen time, this is why I recommend that parents never use screen time as a reward. That That's a big problem down the road when that becomes the only thing that they, that that's your only bargaining tool, right? And that's right. not good. Um, if they're sneaking around to use screens, that's a warning sign. If they're hiding passwords and, you know, creating secret accounts and yeah. all of that. Um, and if there's a general increase in anxiety and stress. And then that really the final one is, and all these, by the way, are true of any addiction. Um, right. Right. But um, the final one I think is the most telling and it is when they're their screenplay interferes with family activities and friendships in school. Right. So when there's like a lack of balance is what I, I talk to a lot of people about. When you see that huge imbalance, that's a big sign that something's not. Working. Yeah. And the way we say that with our messaging, um, if you can't remember all those warning signs, um, the way the easy thing to remember is if your child can't list three things that they mm -hmm. like, as much or more than their video games, then you're probably in some um, hot water because 
that's not balanced. If video games is their only thing, especially if it's their number one thing and it's their only hobby, then that's not balanced and you're headed for trouble. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that you thought he was, your son was on drugs. It was like he was on drugs and it really is. It's that dopamine rush that they get that is so addicting from screens. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to, um, explain that to people who've never seen it, but for parents who have seen what we call the, the gaming coma look, you know, it's almost like he's there, but he's not there. So what happens when they're playing these stimulating games or getting hyper-stimulated, the limbic area of their brain, which is their midbrain, the emotion center of their brain, is getting highly um, stimulated. And so they immediately kick into fight-flight because when you're playing Fortnite you're playing any kind of Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, any of these games where it requires the immersive um, sure. behavior. Um, your brain doesn't know that you're really not in a battle, right? It, it, it's sitting, you're sitting on the couch, but your brain doesn't really know that. Your brain is stimulating the way where it thinks it's really in a battle. And, and we know in life that the biggest adrenaline rush comes when you feel like your life is in danger or you're getting ready to get killed. And so that's why all these games really harp on that um and fortnite honestly is the worst it uses you know the persuasive design um scientific measures in that game to keep kids hooked there's everything about that game is it follows all the persuasive design elements of the intermittent rewards and um just the way the game is designed from the back end from the scientific people that are working on it and the attention engineers that work on keeping your son glued to that game. And what they don't tell parents is this is going to really hijack their brain. This is going to hijack an area of their brain. In fact, that doesn't need to be hijacked. (laughs) In fact, the frontal lobe is the area that we need more, um, connections to and we need we need more oxygen to we need more attention to the frontal lobe because that's the lobe where they develop impulse control and all their executive functioning but when they're playing a video game that starts to shut down that part of their brain shuts down and the limbic area the emotion area is stimulated and um, when I found that out I was just very um, convicted and I had no idea that there was a chemical component to gaming. Right. Um, right. And it, yeah, that's funny because, you know, I grew up watching my brother play games and I vowed that whenever I had kids, we wouldn't have games in our house because my brother would be glued to the screen playing games like every summer all day long. Yes. And I just, and then that went into college and stuff and he, it didn't affect him too much to where he wasn't able to get through college and stuff. But I just remember thinking, I don't ever want my family to be like a dud on the couch doing nothing. And like, I, and it's just so funny. I didn't know anything beyond that. It was just my own personal preference when I met my husband telling him like, no, like, just so you know, like there will never be video games, you know? And then, um, and then, yeah, with my kids, they've asked for stuff and, you know, we've gone and played video games at friends' houses and that sort of thing. There was a moment when I did break down and got the Nintendo switch Mm -hmm. and, and it just created so many problems and too much, you know, and that's not even with violent games, right? Right. It's with Mario Odyssey. So it, it was just a 
very good reminder for me, like, nope, we're just going to be a video game free family. Yep. And that was before I really even knew anything. So it's also interesting and really, really important information that parents need to hear. Right. And you saw it with your brother, which you knew enough to know that, you know, something isn't quite right. right. Like this doesn't feel like how you're supposed to have family, you know, time and raise kids and, you know, time at home goes by super fast with your kids. Like the the years fly by and know that people get sick of hearing that, but it just, you wake up one day and all of a sudden your kids are 16 years old and you don't even know who they are. And I mean, the, the value of building those strong connections in that village and those relationships that you have with your family unit is what will sustain them the rest of their life. And really getting to know siblings is a fascinating topic and how gaming steals that quickly. It's gone. Um, Adam doesn't know his brothers and sisters as well as they know each other now because once we went to a game-free home, um, you know, the younger siblings all benefited from that. In fact, I tell Adam all the time that he saved his brothers and um, that's a sweet story. And so he's, of course, very much a part of our family now, but he doesn't have the rich um, childhood stories to share. They're, they just didn't happen because he was on his game. Yeah. So how did you go from making these changes in your house to feeling the need to share it? Well, after that first meeting, we had 125 people show up. I thought, well, I guess um, I need to, um, you know, sort of make my presentation, get it organized. And um, then I started speaking in churches and schools and community groups and neighborhoods and preschool groups. Just people just started asking me. It was all word of mouth. And I feel very compelled to share because as a result of Adam's story, um, we did things very differently with our daughter, not giving mm-hmm. her a smartphone, which I know that just sounds really crazy. But when you hear her whole story, maybe we can talk about that on another show, but um, that that's an, an incredible story. Um, and then when I, when I raised now the, you know, Adam's younger brothers, they're twins and they're 16 now, but going from that time when they were like six mm-hmm. all the way through elementary school, middle school, and of course now they're just in 10th grade, but um, we did things very different. And so we're seeing the results of what happens when kids are not glued to video games and just the testimony of that is so valuable. Um, like I tell my audiences all the time, you know, I know exactly what you're going through because I'm doing it again. I, and I'm, I'm actually, you know, practicing what I'm preaching and I'm going to share with you all the mistakes that we've made and all of the, um, wonderful, um, solutions that we have found. And I'm in a very valuable place to do that. I just feel so excited to share that I have to share. And I'm so passionate because I, want to share everything that I wish I had known back when we were really struggling with, with Adam. And, you know, Tessa, it affects the entire family. When you're going through um, any addiction, it affects the family. But when you go through something like this, it's so unfair because culture tells you, oh, it's fine here. Everybody should play video games and this is good for boys and they're all being social and it's wonderful. And they're working on their hand-eye coordination and all this stupid stuff. That's not true. It's just, it, it doesn't, 
makes, I mean, we kind of laugh at it now when I think of all the things that are out there. Um, you know, sure, there could be some little skill they're gaining, but, um, you know, playing baseball, let me tell you, is much harder for hand-eye coordination than a, than a, than a um, video game. But I know it's been, I'm sure your organization has heard a lot of this because I know I have, but during this whole pandemic with the quarantine and stuff, I think it's created a much harder challenge for a lot of families. Yeah. And a lot of parents have just kind of given in and just, you know, looked at it as a way for them to connect with their friends during quarantine, you know, to play Roblox or Fortnite or whatever, and they can chat through it. Um, So how have you handled your responses with that? Yeah, listen, when the quarantine hit um, for our home, and this is the difference when you have a game-free home versus when you are allowing a lot of gameplay in your home is very different. Um, But when the quarantine hit for us, we were so excited. I mean, we were just thrilled. In fact, I remember that first week, I think I was making dessert every night and I never really made dessert. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like we're on vacation or something because yeah. my boys are very um, involved in many different hobbies. In fact, they have so many hobbies. We just can't fit it all in um, right. from all the music. They do piano and they've been taking violin for a long time and they love to play the guitar. And then one of them just got a banjo. They collect baseball cards. They are involved in, of course, baseball as a sport. They love to play pickup basketball games. They right. do a lot of art. They love to read. I mean, when the quarantine hit, they started gathering all their um, books they were going to read and all the novels. And so it was such a rich experience for us to have those extra hours. Um, I know that people are relying on, on games a lot during the quarantine. It is the worst thing that you can do. You are actually building uh, more of the addiction problems when you do that with the time spent for our kids. We, um, had, we still had a lot of kids over to the house and in the height of it, when it was very like a social distancing, I would mm-hmm. hang a bed sheet outside. We had a little projector that we got really cheap and they would watch movies outside. Um, we have a fire pit. I mean, the list goes on and on. They did a lot of bike riding with their friends, a lot of mountain bike riding, they went on little day trips with their bikes. I mean, I can't even tell you how much fun we have had. It, there is. Been- I remember when quarantine first hit and thinking, this reminds me a lot of my upbringing and those summer days when either my parents had to work or my mom, you know, didn't know what we could do and we had to get creative, you yes. know, and that's what I tell parents all the time is we survived a world without right. all this technology and we are strong because of that. And we are doing our kids a huge disservice by just handing them over screens so quickly at such young ages. Um, they're not learning how to be self-aware or to self-regulate or to build coping skills. And it's creating this culture and world of so much disconnect and so much emotional distress that is not needed. No. And the biggest thing that they're not exercising, the biggest muscle they're not exercising aside from their real physical muscles is their imagination muscle. And if they don't use their imagination when they're little, it has a way, it will just kind of dissipate. It'll be very hard for them to all of a sudden be 22 years old and be in a good job and, and have to use their imagination. If you don't, use that muscle. And so when kids are very little and, um, all the way up through even high school, um, 
you know, boredom, whatever breeds creativity. And so if you're constantly putting them in front of a screen, they will not be bored. They, their brains will be overstimulated. They will not be using their own brains. And, and moms say to me all the time, well, they're, they're, they're in Minecraft and they're just being so creative. And I'm going to tell them, no, they are not. The people who invented Minecraft are being created, creative, right. but right. not your kid. Your kid is just yeah. glomming off of somebody else's creativity. He's right. not inventing right. anything. And if you right. think just because he's able to follow a certain algorithm and build a building that that, eh, I don't buy it. it, it yeah. Building with your, your hands in the real world. Now that's hard. Um, right. Putting a model together, building Legos, fixing a car, doing all this stuff with woodworking, creating, you know, something out of pieces that you've gathered. That's, that's what we're after. Um, okay. So if families go to screenstrong.com, what are they going to get from the website? Yeah. So on our website, we have a ton of education. Um, so the first thing you need to do, honestly, is click on that learn tab and go through. It's like a little mini workshop experience there um, where you can kind of go through what we do in our main workshops, which is the brain development, the brain science, a little deep dive there into video games and social media and then solutions on what to do. I also under the resource tab, I have a bunch of resources there for um parents. We have podcast type recordings of mm-hmm. seminars that I've done that you can listen to. Um, mm-hmm. We have um, videos, a lot of different video clips that I use in the seminar that I do. And the, the workshop that I do actually is being packaged right now. And um, hopefully by the end of the month, it's going to be in our store. So you can purchase this for very mm-hmm. inexpensive and actually go through the workshop um, experience. So that will be fabulous to be able to finally get that project done. But the main thing you're going to see on the front page, right when you open up the main page, there's a a bar that says to do the Screen Strong Challenge. And that is something that is free that we recommend that, um, you know, after you get a little research, do a little um, reading, you know, figure out if you have a problem or not. We have a test on there for warning signs and all that. And if you want to make a change and if you want to, reduce the screen time in your home, click on that, sign up for the challenge. It's only a week long. And so we believe that everybody can take video games away for a week and they can take their kids' smartphone away if they even have a smartphone. We don't recommend that kids have smartphones. We recommend they have a flip. Well, it's not a flip phone. It's a talk text phone. And um, Gab Wireless. Yeah, it's Gab Wireless. And we have a promo code that you can use to get a discount. Um, if they want to use a discount to get, to get their phone, it works beautifully well. It's like the best thing ever. There's no internet on it. They can't play video games. Um, so we recommend that, but if you want to take a week off the, um, social media, smartphones and video games, or even just the video games, um, do the challenge and we will send you instructions every day, sort of how how to do this. And we believe that we have seen over and over, of course, at the end of even just a week, that you'll start to see some major changes in your kids. And if you can do it for 30 days, that's even better. And we have a um, Facebook group called Screen Strong Families where parents um, go in and they get help from each other on different ages with their kids and what to do and troubleshooting problems. It is a fabulous group. That's your community. And I'm on it um, throughout the day to help parents and I'll put little videos up there with tips. So we're, we've got your back and, um, we've, and you've got your kids back and you're going to be like a coach. And that is our big message to parents 
is that your kids are wonderful and they have so much potential, but you've got to stop being some sort of um, fun or, I don't know, best friend parent. Like you've got to be a coach and you can still have fun with them, of course, but um, you have to have a coach's mentality where you're on a losing team right now. And what does a good coach do? They don't turn the reins over to the team and say, okay, whatever y'all want to do is fine. They don't. They go back to get a new game plan. They build that core back in their players. They go back to the fundamentals. They learn the basics again. And this this whole mindset really works when you're trying to take um, screens, you know, down to a minimum in your home. We are not, um, you know, we're not anti-screen. We think TV shows are okay if you want to watch together as a family, a family movie night. Of course, kids have to use their screens um, to do their schoolwork, much to my um, disappointment. Um, I I hate it. I hate it because a kid doesn't use a screen the way adults use screens. And so kids always want to play and have fun on their screens. And so then you try to put homework on there and it's very distracting. It, it's very difficult to do. However, I know right now during the quarantine, this is what's happening. Um, but we, we just, we're not against, you know, Excel or Word because I've never had a family come to me to say that their kids are addicted to Excel. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Screens are really good tools, but they should not be toys. And we are the group that says when you've tried all those parental controls and when you've tried pulling your hair out and setting that kitchen timer and you're still arguing, then you come to us and we will help you solve this problem. We are for parents who are serious, you know, about reducing screen time. And I'm not knocking all the other parental controls. You should definitely try some of that stuff. But generally they don't work, um, at least after a certain age and a certain point it's it's like a seat belt it's super important to wear seat belts in your car like so that's kind of how parental controls are however in one click your child is out of their seat belt and that is exactly what happens with the parental controls and y'all have to trust me on this one because my son got around every single router password that we ever put to try to control his gaming (laughs) so i I love that Belt analogy. That's perfect. Yeah, you need the seatbelt, but you, but your child is gonna, you know, they're trained to keep their seatbelt on. But let me tell you, in one click, they're out of their seatbelt, and this is and by the time they hit eighth grade is usually the 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 time when all of the um, curiosity, you know, kicks in right there around puberty, and they're craving novel content. They're craving all sorts of things that they're gonna find. So it is a very naive parent that thinks that parental controls are going to um, help their situation too much. Um, so we recommend the challenge. Then we recommend that you rebuild life skills in your kid's life. And we have a whole section on how to do that. And then that you prioritize your family time over screen time. And that's sort of the basis of the challenge. Um, it's a lifestyle change, Tessa. It's something that you just make a decision and you do things differently and you might get feedback from people initially that say, well, they're not going to have any friends. And that's probably the biggest thing that we hear. And when you go through the challenge, you sort of look back and laugh to think that you ever thought that because kids that get off their video games have a lot more friends than kids who are on video games. I can't tell you how many teenagers sit in my office and say, I don't have any friends. I have all these people on Snapchat or Instagram, but I don't have any real friends. Right. Everyone is surface level. 
And it's just so heartbreaking to hear that, how lonely everyone is feeling because they're trying to connect through this device when all they have to do is put it down, you know, and, and see the benefits of it. But so, they have to have help. They need a coach. They need their parents sure. to help them do it. When the younger they are, the easier it is, obviously, to go through the detox and the challenge. But as they get to be older and they've been on it longer, um, they really need their parents to step in. And parents say, well, I don't have time to spend playing chess with him all day or whatever it is, Monopoly or whatever. And I just tell them, look, you, you pay now or you pay later. And the longer they've been on their game, the longer it's going to take to get back to normal. And yes, you will need to spend time with them. It's not going to be forever. It's only going to be for that first initial few weeks when they're trying to detox and recalibrate their brain. And also make, taking the time to have big conversations with them before you go into the detox. Yes, and that's written in our book and the book, The Screen Strong Solution, How to Free Your Child from Addictive Screen Habits. That goes along with the detox. And that's one of the first steps that you do right. is you sit down as a family and you talk about this. However, I do want to say one thing about conversations um, because this is something that has been sort of a hot topic lately with a lot of um, a lot of people and groups and organizations that are trying to help parents. And God love all of them. I just think anyone who comes on board in this space is just wonderful. But I think that culture is, is putting too much, um, uh, you know, emphasis on having conversations and how, cause I keep reading this stuff about, um, like with your middle school kids, we'll just sit down and have a conversation with them about how to be safe on the internet and how to be safe on Snapchat and what to click on and what not to click on. And I just shake my head because conversations do not change behavior. Um, and I'll say that again, conversations do not change behavior. You cannot expect your child's behavior to change simply because you have a conversation. If this was the case, we would eliminate childhood drug use and alcohol use and teen pregnancy by tomorrow morning at eight o'clock because we could just have a conversation. So, so while it's super important to have these conversations, the reason why it's important is for you to build a relationship with your child and for you to become the expert in their life. That is why you're having the conversation. It's not to, it's, you know, Tessa, it's not to make them more mature because you can't make them more mature by a conversation. Um, okay. So I want to share if it's okay with you, something that was posted on that screen, strong family, um, the private Facebook. Yeah. Somebody posted an amazing post. And so parents that are listening to this, this is just an, a little sneak peek into kind of what you can experience if you join this group, if you take on this challenge. So we have officially been screen strong or screen free for over a week now. And I want to share something my son told me. We went for an evening bike ride and playing outside. And usually my son would be spending that watching TV. And he said, Mommy, can I tell you something? I don't want to watch YouTube anymore. It changed my life. When I watched that, I had storm clouds in my heart and in my head. And now you've put rainbows there. <laughs> I'm like tearing up. I know. Saying that again. Oh, it's just so beautiful to, to read that and to see other families taking these steps to protect their kids and to, to bring light into their kid's life. Um, it, it's yeah. so cool. And he was only six, he's six years old. And so it's yeah. 
so um, exciting because that little boy's life is changing. And he is, he is on like the fork in the road where his parents have just said, no more. We're not going to go down. We're not going to choose this path over here. We're going to choose the path that he can be a, a kid and he can enjoy all these things. And I love the way he articulated that. It, it really is going from storm clouds to rainbows. It sounds kind of corny, you know, when you and I say that, but when a six-year-old says that, he nailed it. <laughs> For sure. He meant every bit of that. Oh, I love it. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Melanie, for not only coming on here and talking with me, but all of your work and and sharing this information and not stopping. I know it can get really exhausting and defeating. I know I've experienced that in my journey with all of this, you know, thinking I'm the only one right. saying things, you know, and, and it's just so powerful to know that there's a whole community of people who are struggling that are or have struggled that are getting through it and we can all get through this together yeah. um, with so thank you so so much for your work yes well thank you so much for having me and for all the parents that are listening please don't feel alone and isolated you're not on an island I used to think I was on an island mm -hmm. all by myself and when I determined that I was going to um, change things in my home I thought I was just going to have to do it alone and I will promise you there are so many families that are feeling the same way that you're feeling and um, we just want to create this movement and we want to get as many families to, to be empowered as possible, you know, as possible. So thank you so much for having me today. Please let's talk about this some more. Um, the website is screenstrong.com and I'm here to help. And I answer my emails and I would love to hear from anyone. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you.